My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in the Pew Bibles on page 15. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And I think Matthew wanted to say, finally. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land for the wind was against them and early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and they cried out saying it is a ghost and they cried out in fear but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said take heart it is I do not be afraid Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out, on the, out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So the 5,000 are sent home. And the disciples hit the boat and make for the other side. And while... Jesus retreats in solitude to pray. And I love how my daughter pointed this to me out after Sunday school. She says, Jesus finally gets a chance to mourn the death of John the Baptist. He finally gets this chance. And the story shifts to late evening and focuses on the disciples, who by this time are, of course, in trouble again on the sea. And Jesus unexpectedly makes his entry to them, walking across the water as if it were a waxed floor. Now, I tend to believe that he was coming as a non-anxious presence amongst the, ra the waves. But the, to, the, to the disciples, at three o'clock in the morning, with the storm all the way around them, he seemed more like a ghost than the person that they were following. So they screamed in terror. Now, here's my favorite part about Matthew. He says, Jesus speaks, and of course the voice is reassuring. And at least Peter, who recognizes the voice enough to trust it in a bold maneuver, he asks to be invited, you know, because Peter always wants to get that center of attention or that last word. He asks to be invited to walk across the ocean. And he takes his confident start but sinks when he loses his focus. I mean, let's be honest, that's still pretty audacious to jump out of the boat in the middle of the sea and to see what's going to happen. And then let's think about it. 
think about the daring revelation that's left for the disciples after this is all over. Of course they stop and worship him. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's break this down. There's two aspects of this that I spent a lot of time in my Sunday school class, but I'm going to summarize it for you, and they probably wish I would have done it then. But there's a Hellenist viewpoint of this. There's a Greek understanding of this, where in this aspect, the tradition of the Greek demigods and heroes has the power to walk on water, which confirms their divine origin. There is that component. You can't deny it. It was in the first century. There's nothing you can say to deny the fact that there's a Hellenist component to this. And then there's the aspect of the Jewish aspect of this. This is that moment of Jesus as the revelation of God. Or as God in the Gospel of Matthew. You see, other passages speak of God walking on the ocean or on the sea. You hear about it in the creation story as God uh, hovered over the top of the water as he created life. You hear about it when in the book of Job in chapter 9 as God hovers over the water or walks across the water. You read about it in Psalms. And so here it is with Jesus, God once again walks on the sea. So we got to ask the function of this story if we're talking about gospels. Was this story to demonstrate Jesus' divinity? Maybe it was to reveal how the Messiah is charged and empowered by God to shepherd and care for God's people. I mean, we have to acknowledge the fact there is a little bit of showcasing in the midst of his divinity through his action of walking on the water. Or was he coming into the aid of his disciples? You know, there's two parts to look at that. I mean, they were far from land, and their boat was being tortured by the waves. You know, I don't feel sorry for them in any way, shape, or form. I really want to. Every time I read this passage of Scripture, and I think about the storm, these guys were fishermen and sailors. The first thing you do is, is you look and see how the storm is going to look. And you can't necessarily avoid a storm that just pops up on you when, when you're out in the middle of the ocean. In this story, they decided to go ahead and go, and they were scared because the water was coming over the sides. What kind of fishermen, sailors are these guys? But let's talk about Peter's holy experience. He's caught midway between faith and doubt, a sort of a, I believe, but help me in my unbelief moment. You see, Peter is us in the Gospel of Matthew. He stands... Who, for those who boldly believe and take their first steps in confidence, but who, those who lose confidence when adverse circumstances threaten. Still, Peter is a fine representative of those who embrace a risk-taking faith. I mean, in all of your adventures in life, what was the most daring thing that you ever did? You know what? When I went to Israel... One of the things that I wanted to see more than anything, and you guys have already heard my 30-minute rant about how I got to see it for 30 minutes. I go to the Sea of Galilee because of this story. For me, this was it, right? This is the place that Jesus walked on water. It's the same place that Jesus took the net and threw it off the side of the boat and said, no, 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 go on the other side. And it gets so full that the boat starts to capsize. I mean, it's the Sea of Galilee. It's the coolest thing ever, right? 
and I got 30 minutes to go see it. But I'm not bitter. That's another sermon for another day. The boats that they would have been in are like these gigantic canoes, but they're more like a flat bottom boat. And they would go out into the middle of the ocean, and, and, and it's not really an ocean, okay? The Sea of Galilee might be, I don't know, two sizes the size of Lake Texoma. So for them, it's a humongous sea, right? But it's fresh water, so that's a big deal. I can just imagine this. Ready, Bobby? Here it comes. You can see Peter, right? He sees Jesus across the water, and he looks over there, and he says to them, he goes, watch this. You know, nothing good has ever came from anything when a guy in a fishing boat says, hey, y'all, watch this. So he looks at this, and he says, there's Jesus. And everybody else in the boat is scared. And, of course, Peter is trying to, you know, be Peter. And he looks out, and he takes one step forward, and he's like, yeah, you all watch this. I ain't scared. Go ahead and call out to me, Jesus. Go ahead. Anytime now. And you can see it just as he's trying to put his foot on the water. And then he finally sits on the water and he's like, okay, this is fine. And Jesus says, okay, Peter, come on out. You, you can do this, right? You can hear him, right? So Jesus, Peter's like, okay, I got this. Y'all watch this. I mean, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Hey, let go of me. What do you mean none of you were holding me? You can hear it, right? Like he's standing there holding onto the boat with dear life, but he's got one foot in the water and one foot in the boat, and he starts leaning a little bit forward, and he's like, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm walking on the water. I see you, Jesus. Hey, y'all, check this out. Oh, my God. And right as he says that, you can see Jesus, he goes, oh, Jesus, save me, right? And Jesus grabs his hand, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I did that on purpose. And then Jesus, you know, you of little faith. Peter just kind of shrugs his head. Yeah, I know, Jesus. I did it again. I mean, what do you want from me? And he jumps back into the boat with Jesus. I mean, you could see the image, right? It happens. I've had this experience, not walking on water, you see, but been in a moment where life, death, situations happen. And my wife had no idea I was going to do this, but it's okay. It's going to happen anyway. I decided a long time ago, and my brother and his wife can also attest for this, that if you ever want to test a relationship, ever, you take them canoeing. You take them canoeing and, and, and you don't tell them everything because, you know, you can't tell your spouse anything because they're, they're full-grown, intelligent, free-thinking women, and you don't need to tell them anything that's going on. And then you make the mistake of saying, well, we, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a canoe trip that's 60 miles, which means that we have to put all of our gear inside of one boat. And, and I know you've never canoed before, but it'll be a fun trip, I promise. You see, my brothers and I, and, and uh, most of my family, we spent almost every weekend camping and if it wasn't camping, we were out on the water. And if we weren't on the water, we were camping. You see how this goes? So for us, canoeing was kind of a second nature to us, or kayaking or sailboating or whatever. <laughs> but my, my awesome, super amazing, absolutely beautiful, life-saving wife did not grow up canoeing. 
and I learned that in the first 15 minutes. So those of you that know how this goes, is the person in the back is the one that's kind of the, the one that steers. That's weird because it's backwards, right? Because the person in the front has to look for obstacles. And you think to yourself, you tell them, if you see any obstacles, say something and I'll steer away from it. So I'm in the back of the canoe and I'm paddling and all of a sudden, boom! What was that? I don't know. Looked like a stick in the water. Okay, Carmen, you have to watch out for the V's. For those of you that don't know, if you're on a moving piece of water, the stick that comes up out of the water and the water hits it, it makes a V, right? So you avoid those things. You avoid those things. She says, okay, fine, whatever. I got this, Josh. And she starts paddling. Which side am I supposed to paddle on? Whichever one you want, sweetheart. Just tell me if you see any obstacles. Boom! What was that? Well, it was a rock. Well, it's not a stick. You only told me to point out when you saw sticks. It's a rock. It's not the same thing. <laughs> You're right, sweetheart. Yeah, it's not a stick. Okay, Carmen, because I love you, and maybe I'm not communicating this very well, if you see anything in the water that we might hit, you need to say something before we get to it. Fine. And you know how this goes. Whatever. Whatever. Boom! Now what did we hit? Look, it wasn't a stick. It wasn't a rock. It's this gigantic tree that went all the way. And it wasn't sticking up out of the water. You didn't say anything about that. You're right, sweetheart. I didn't. That's the first 15 minutes. We had 60 miles to go. And our canoe was full of equipment. And we had gear and food because I'm an idiot and decided to put all of the important things on our canoe while my brother and his, uh, you guys were married at that, no, you weren't married at that point, and his soon-to-be wife <laughs> were uh, probably in front of us, way up in the front. <laughs> and they were having the same conversation, I'm sure. And then, and then it happened. You know when you, you see a car accident, you, 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 it's like the whole world goes into slow motion? That was the moment that I was afraid of losing my wife, period. So we're in the water. She sees the V. She says, we're going to hit it. And I'm steering, trying to get away from it. And before we knew it, we hit it just the right way. And the canoe flips over. Now... For those of you that think this is going to be a funny part, I need to prepare you for this because it's not funny. It's scary. Because what happens is, is the reason you avoid the V's is because you don't know what's underneath the surface. And underneath the surface was a humongous tree. That The V was sticking up way over here, and she saw the V, and we avoided it. But when we hit the tree, it flipped the canoe over. And the tree was like right there, like this. And I'm in the canoe on the back end, and when it flips over, the canoe flips sideways, and Carmen is in between the tree 
and the canoe. Now, for those of you that know anything about river canoeing, that's the most dangerous place in the world to be. People die. There's nothing you can do about it because the pressure that's hitting this canoe can smash it and bend it because it's that strong. And at first, I didn't see the tree because I was on the back end. I was Honestly, I was frustrated because all of our gear is floating down the stream. And I say, swim to the shore, swim to the shore. And she's like, I'm trying, but she's stuck in between the canoe and the tree underneath the water. And I'm like, just get out of the way. Just move it out of the way. I can't. And you know, there was other words that were said that were probably not appropriate at the time. But then I look down and I can see the tree. And I could hear the canoe bending. You know, there's that the metal bending sound. And I, and I look down and all of a sudden my wife is in pain. And all I remember is, is it happened so fast that all I could think about was, I'm in the water, I'm safe, I'm floating, everything is okay, but my wife has got to get out of there. She's not going to be able to get out of the river. And so I looked up and I said to God inside my brain, please God, don't let this happen. And I get in between the tree and the canoe, which is something you don't ever do, just enough so that I could pull it out so that my brother and my other brother could pull her out and get her to the shore. And so much so that I didn't even hear or feel my collarbone break up against the gunwale of the boat. And then we let the canoe go. We get Carmen to the shore. She's all bruised. She never went canoeing with me after that. And at the end of the day, I knew that the only way that my wife was alive was by the power of God. You see, sometimes it's not what's on top of the water that you should be afraid of. It's what's underneath it. And you never know what's going to be brewing underneath the water. You have no idea what's in store of any obstacle that you find yourself in. But I do know that the thing that I learned from Peter is, is that when we call out for those moments of fear and trepidation, that God always answers our prayer. Always. And in the moment of our fear of existence, and we feel our life going away from us, in that place, we feel the presence of God stronger than anything else that we ever have. To me, I thought it was a daring experience to take that leap of faith in something that I thought was as minuscule as a float trip down the Illinois River. Never once did I expect the storms of life to be crushing down on me as rogue waves trying to suffocate my wife wedged in between a canoe and a tree that I couldn't see. You know, I talk about this a lot with people when they're dealing with life issues. When we think about it, we, we talk about moments of mental illness or issues of depression, and we, we don't know the storms in people's lives. You don't know what the water looks like in their daily life. You have no idea what's below the surface of an individual, but you do know that when they're in pain and they're afraid and the ghosts of the world come at them in every angle, and all they can think of is, is we're going to die, that you have the ability to be that non-anxious presence in the midst of that chaos. So how much of a risk-taker are we 
I mean, are we good at stepping out of the boat and taking risks? Are we, are we willing to take the opportunity to, to know that when we step out in faith, that when bad things happen, God truly has got his arm outstended for us? Fred Craddock talks about this passage in a sermon that he says that for Matthew, this is the aha moment, the eureka moment. Jesus' response to the disciples is, it is, uh, is not what you have read. It's not, it is I, do not be afraid. But it is what it is in the Greek text. The phrase, I am, be not afraid. See, in Craddock's sermon, it places all of us inside the boat. And how we all must look to the I am so that we never are fully afraid. In the world that we live in, fear runs rampant. And yes, I hear people use this phrase, I'm not going to live in fear, which is fine. But you don't know what's underneath their moving water to the people that we're talking about. And for them, it could be an iceberg underneath the surface. So for me, this passage of Scripture, we're not the Peter. We're the disciples in the boat watching. Some of us may take a leap of faith, and it needs to not be just Peter jumping out of that boat. It makes no sense to call ourselves a community of faith if we go out all by ourselves, completely alone. See, the world's not isolated. We just haven't figured out how to reach each other. We haven't figured out how to wedge ourselves in between the tree and the canoe and pull somebody out from behind the iceberg that is their life. That becomes our mission, church. To recognize, as Jesus says, as he says it to them, I am. Do not be afraid. He pulls him up out of the water. He didn't say, you of little faith, to chastise him. He wasn't punishing Peter. He was challenging him. And when our world throws obstacles at us, stop doing this. But do this and ask God to help us out of the water. You know what? Every single time, God will pull you out. Even if you have to have the assistance of your little brothers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.